I can't come here and die I can't come here and lose Got all this shit on my mind Like what the fuck I'm a day Work ain't paid me in time My baby just ripped me my mood Very too just cut off my line Hi guys And welcome to the Echo Chamber I'm Jade And I'm Ez And today we're gonna talk about the Oprah interview with Meghan and Harry We're gonna talk about our thoughts have a little discussion just about that so opening question a time where you have been unjustly painted as a bully okay do you want to go first no <laughs> okay this is an interesting question um I feel like I can think of a couple of different things but the one that's sticking out to me is a workplace situation and at the workplace or in the workplace I wouldn't I don't know if I would say that I was painted as an aggressor but I was definitely bullied I definitely experienced bullying and what more happened was the way that management tried to frame things was like oh that there was like this was equitable essentially so the situation was I was working alongside somebody they were supposed to be on maternity leave they had come back unexpectedly so we ended up sharing the job of course I've like signed a contract and whatever the workplace have to honor that the person is adjusting back into their role because they've been off for a long time they've also got a lot of annual leave to take so we ended up sharing this role anyway and um she had evidently been going back to management and making out like um she was finding it very difficult to work with me and of course, if you're not used to sharing your role, then yeah, there is some adjustment having been off um, on maternity leave for, I think it was like a year and a half or something. So yeah, there were some adjustments, but it was nothing to do with me. And it wasn't anything to do with like my ability or inability to do the role or anything of that nature. But it was definitely painted like that by her. But more than anything, she was extraordinarily like passive aggressive. She was doing things purposely, things that hide in my work. Bare mad things. I could go on forever about the bad things that this woman was doing. But the way that it was dealt with by management, first of all, the way that she was able to kind of frame things and then the way that it went on to be dealt with by management was just very, very, very unfair, essentially gaslighting me. So that was one situation, most definitely. Also, another one, which was another workplace, there was a member of staff who, like, we were cool there was no issue then all of a sudden this fellow member of staff just started to ignore me like literally bold face like I would say hi and they would just air me so I was like okay this is so strange but this was a man this was an Asian man didn't understand why this was happening the only thing I could think of was that I was cool with everybody at work and this man in our role we were slightly senior he only really spoke to the people that were on the same level as him the people that were below him he didn't really chat to them so the only thing I could think of was because I'm cool with everybody no matter what level they're on maybe takes issue with that I don't know but that's the only difference in the way that me and him moved or yeah that was the only difference I could identify between me and him but there hadn't been nothing personal between us for it to go from we're cool we'll say hi whatever whatever we'll sometimes work together to I'm saying hello you're ignoring me whenever you need to communicate with me you're sending somebody else you're very evidently sending someone else to communicate with me couldn't understand it left it to go on for over a year 
until um, I think it came a point where I had to work with him, just me and him. And because of the nature of the job, I felt like I can't do this working with this person, especially being a woman, um, where I'm kind of depending on you and you refuse to communicate with me. You refuse to like, yeah, you refuse to communicate with me. So if things get on top, I don't know if I can trust you and I do have to depend on you. What I did was I declined working with him. I said to my manager, I'm not going to work with him. You need to assign me with somebody else. And then I went on to our manager manager and I was like, "Um, I need your support with having a conversation with this person. This is the situation. This is what's been going on. This is how long it's been going on for. I just need you to be a witness so that no one can, you know, claim that I was unfair, unjust, aggressive. I didn't say aggressive, but I just think, I just think I mentioned that I would like a witness and um, things are so frosty and have been so for such a long time that I don't want anything to be misconstrued if I approach him alone. So, but my manager came back to me and was like, just giving me all these rules, basically. Like, I don't want this to become aggressive and I don't want this to become confrontational and all of this. And I was just thinking, I've told you that something's been going on for a very long time in the workplace. I haven't said anything to you. But also, what makes you think that I'm aggressive or an aggressor? I have never had any issue with anybody in this workplace. I've never had any issue with the people that we provide a service to. There's never been an issue. So why would you assume that I want to have a confrontation with somebody? Why would you assume that there is going to be a confrontation and that you need to caveat as strongly as you are, caveat in, you know, no confrontation is going to be tolerated and blah, blah, blah. So yeah, that definitely made me feel aggressive. And it was stupid because this man was a big man, like a big 50, 45, 50 year old man. So to think that me at the time, I was probably like 26, that me, I, who could be his daughter, is going to be aggressive and confrontational to this man. Those are two things that stick out in my head. What about you? There are so many incidents. I don't even know where to start. I thought about two incidents so one when I was um a teenager in school there was one white girl that was being bare rude like she was being so rude to me in maths class yeah I didn't do nothing to this girl like I think I just I think no no, I'm so passionate about this incident you know because I think I just used to to be fair I was a little shit in it I was a little shit I was in top sets and I didn't have the behavior of people in top sets so I was always disrupting the class making jokes whatever I mean being silly not taking my learning seriously and I think I just used to rub her up the wrong way for this and then I was on report so when I was on report I am Never used to, like, I was good in it. I was well behaved because my report card, like, I just, yeah, was on report, didn't want to get a bad report. So when I got on report, the neeks in the class now started to take advantage of this because they know that I'm not going to bad them up. So there was this white girl, she was just being so rude. Like, she, I just remember her being so rude. I don't even remember what happened, the context as to why it started. But I just remember I didn't do nothing to this girl. She was being so, 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 so rude. I don't think I even badded her, but I can't remember what I said to her. Anyway, we both got sent out of the class. Obviously, me getting sent out of the class, I'm used to this, isn't it? So it didn't, like, didn't faze me. But she was obviously just possi- very possibly her first time getting sent out. So she was in, like, hysterical tears. Like, she was crying like somebody had died. I remember clearly, like, as soon as my head of year, like, 
came because we had to go right outside my head of year's office and as soon as my head of year came she was like what have you done like she hadn't heard nothing didn't know a single thing but that was just adamant that it was that we were sent there because I was bullying the girl or that the girl hadn't done nothing wrong and that I was like obviously the culprit which was like I think that's one of the first instances that like I experienced and could recognize white tears and the power of white tears yeah and and just the level of that injustice in it because I remember just feeling bruv I haven't actually done nothing I actually have not done a single thing to this girl so I remember that and I remember like my feelings of like I, I definitely didn't have the language back then and I definitely I don't even like I think I was like oh yeah this is racist this is racist but I don't think I even understood what I meant by that or why or how it was racist but there was that incident then there's another incident that I can think of. And actually, this isn't with this wasn't with a white woman, this was with another black woman, but at work where she she just ha- didn't like me. She just didn't like me. And then she like, yeah, it was really weird, like really, really, really weird. Um, but she would just like constantly report me to my line manager, but for like so think that it started yeah it just started with really petty things things like oh she didn't say hi to me in the staff room she included others in like she was talking about she was having a conversation she included others but she didn't include me but this is after like a history of her reporting me in it so obviously I didn't I just didn't engage with her I'm bringing this one up even though it's not necessarily it wasn't it wasn't racialized I remember feeling obviously I had dreads at the time I was one of the youngest in the team, black working class. And I remember feeling that it would be believable. So my, my line manager was a white woman and thankfully she was very supportive of me actually um, and could see that the woman's just mad. But I remember feeling like all of the things that she's accusing me of, like as if I'm actively bullying her, I remember feeling the need to overly be nice and overly be seen as personable just so that this white woman who's my line manager doesn't believe that I'm capable of what this woman's saying. And actually now saying this out loud, I wonder if it, if it was a white woman that was accusing me or a white man that was accusing me of bullying, I wonder if my line manager would have engaged a bit differently. I actually don't think she would, to be very fair to her, but I wonder, like, I wonder how that dynamic would have changed that incident. And then the last thing I thought of was more recently, and it was um, during George Floyd the whole George Floyd uprisings, I was working somewhere and a senior member of staff within the organisation, there was a meeting that got heated around George Floyd. A senior member of staff within the organisation took it upon themselves to rightfully call every single member of staff personally. So we're, we're in lockdown, like when everyone's working remotely. The meeting got quite heated. I was one of the main people involved in the I'm going to call it an argument for want of a better word. Um, it, professional argument, whatever that is. Do you know what I mean, so obviously we're not cussing them or anything like that, but it was a very heated conversation. And senior member of staff takes it upon themselves to call literally every single member of staff, but they didn't call me. And I just remember feeling, and they didn't call me because they knew that I had language for, for what had happened. I, they knew that I could name the fuckery that was happening in their organisation. And I remember feeling really let down um, because it, this was somebody that I, I believed I had quite a good relationship with prior to that. And this was like, there was a series of things, I won't name all the other things that happened, but there was a series of things that happened around that time that just showed me, rah, this, 
this woman is intimidated by me. So this woman that I felt I had a good relationship with, that I felt really valued my challenge because I brought a lot of challenge to the organization in relation to race. And I felt that that was prior to all of these incidents. I felt that that was really valued. Um, but in her actions, I was seeing, oh, well, you're actually scared of me um, in ways that you're mm -hmm. not scared of the black staff that either don't have the language for this or the white staff, you, you engage with me differently around the topic of race. And I felt like I was being positioned as an agitator. Um, and I was being positioned in, in a way that like, you're the issue, you're the issue because you speak up about things, you're the issue here. Um, and that was really upsetting and really, um, actually, I think I took a step forward in terms of like being open and trusting of middle-class white people. And I think that incident really pushed me back a few a few steps to um, be a lot more sceptical again and a lot more like, oh, right, what are people really thinking um, when I'm speaking about race and speaking openly about it? Yeah, I very much hear you. As you talked about your experiences, there was like an influx of like <laughs> bare different memories of different times where, um, yeah, just being unfairly whether it's in jest because I think that sometimes it comes in jest a lot so like yeah sometimes it comes in jest or sometimes it's um more emotional it's just it just feels a little less malicious than some of the things that we've just cited um and what came to my mind was something really strange actually it was very strange it was a strange experience but it was this the undertone was this and um it was a a barbecue that I was at um it was actually an ex it was his birthday and he was doing like a joint birthday with a friend of his that you know he had been friends with this girl for a few years um in an area that was predominantly white you know I knew her the family knew her we knew some of her friends so it their birthdays were close together did a joint barbecue at my ex's family's home in this predominantly white area, the friend who he did his joint birthday with, she bought friends that we knew of, and then some other brethren, obviously, we don't know all of her friends. So she bought some other friends, and obviously, like, I don't know her other friends in it. And I'm can be quite reserved. Like, I'm talking to people calm, and I'm kind of like hosting my ex's friends who have come from London. There was only two or three of them, and I had driven them up. So I was kind of looking after them. We even like drove to the supermarket together. So I'm kind of with them a bit more than everybody else. Anyway, fast forward, the night finishes off and we go to a club in this predominantly white area, um, Hertfordshire. So we go to a club in Hertfordshire and the people that end up coming to the club are the younger ones. So me, my, my his friends and the birthday girl's friends too. And these were some girls who were at the barbecue. In the club, they spray my ex with like champagne and that, and they spray me as well, obviously, because I'm his girl. And we're dancing, and I guess things are a bit more fun, a bit more vibrant between us. But anyway, I'm in the toilet. I think I'm just like wiping myself off a little bit from the champagne spray. And one of the girls who is with our group, but I don't know her, she comes up to me mixed race girl and she was like you're so pretty and like you're like you're just so pretty but like 
why don't you like me like I like can like we be friends or something like why don't you like me and I was just thinking what I I think I said to her but I don't know like I don't understand what you're saying like I'm what like I don't understand but it was just like because I'm so reserved there's just a perception there's just a very negative perception and that perception is like that I am obviously like aggressive or there's a hardness or there's a there's a disdain or there's something emanating from me in your perception of me but I am just being reserved I'm just going about my life I'm with my friends do you know what I mean um it's a very strange experience but I can see how it was like so linked to when people are more overtly malicious or or their claims are more overtly malicious i.e are you a bully or you're this or you're that I find what you've just said about the perception of being reserved or the perception that I think when I'm in spaces that are not black spaces I know when I can be bothered actually sometimes I just can't be bothered in it but when I can be bothered I know I try actively to dispel any ideas that I am aggressive or that I am unfriendly so I know that Mm. I work extra hard to be extra friendly extra personable um, maybe behave in ways that don't feel natural to me um, just so that I am not perceived as the aggressive black woman in the space when I can be bothered to do that and I think that that's something that is um that that's there's a version of code switching that is just it's almost innate like it's it's just it's you know you know that you can't go you can't even really be around certain types of white people in a bad mood because I think there's stuff around boundaries firstly so there's stuff around like I've I've been in spaces where I feel that people are intrigued by my anger or my annoyance Mm. um in ways that I don't believe they would be if I wasn't black so it's almost like yeah I feel like people yeah I've been in spaces workspaces specifically where I feel like if I am annoyed about something or frustrated about something there's a lot more concern around my annoyance than there would be if a white colleague was annoyed I read that concern as an under I, I read that concern to have an undercurrent of fear and that I find interesting this kind of question came off the back of obviously um Megan we've like hopefully people have seen the interview most of us have seen the interview the thing that stuck out to me and made me most angry wasn't even the comment about Archie's skin because I don't know why people were bare shocked about that well yeah that didn't shock me at all that some that people were people in the royal family had concerns about his skin tone but what made me angry and really angry was Kate Middleton having been the one to have made her cry um Mm -hmm. and that not being reported in that way and nobody in the family kind of sticking up and and saying no this didn't happen um and yeah that dynamic of like it being so quote-unquote believable to majority of the public that it would have been Megan that made Kate cry and that being a narrative that just just fit it just fit like a glove almost and when I think about kind of my experiences of having of it like what no matter what I do no matter who I am no matter how hard I try it being believable in in the minds mm. of around me that I can be this villain or this bully on what you're saying about the code switching stuff so I think I it's a superpower that I can't fully invoke 
being completely unnatural so I think that my go-to is to just be quiet rather than do the really personable really open really bubbly really conversational version that makes white people feel more comfortable that is too much energy for me I cannot do that I think it's been years I've probably it was probably since being a teenager that I just can't do it my other option is just to be really quiet it just feels like the lesser of two evils this conversation is like off of the back of the interview and off of what has has just said like the surprise and the anger understanding that this one claim that Megan was some kind of bully and that Kate was some kind of victim and that narrative just kind of shrouding Megan generally so I don't know um, about other people but I feel um, this didn't come up in the interview with Oprah but prior I felt like Megan has been painted as like um, being some kind of menace or bully to her husband actually so being painted portrayed as some kind of like rebellious forceful yeah woman who has like encouraged him to do bad things i.e like moving abroad and stepping down as a key member of the of the royal family and things like that um as though he can't make his own decisions or he yeah like he's some kind of victim of her of this bully that she is basically and that's always disturbed me and gotten to me because one we don't know them like we just don't know them we don't know her we don't know them and two what it does is it allows people to continue to um stay in a lie and just continue a narrative that everything is fine and that it is just this woman who is half black that has come and rocked the boat come and rock the proverbial boat that doesn't need that never needed to be rocked that it was wrong for her to rock it it was wrong for her to challenge anything it's been wrong for her to have anything to say it's wrong for for her to apparently get her husband to do something different um as though harry wasn't very overtly like anti-establishment before megan even came along and obviously that um, perception of her role within her marriage, the the prejudice there is twofold, as we know. Like, it's obviously because she's a woman and because she's a non-white woman. Um, do you think it's because she's a woman? Yeah, I do believe. So I think that there is there is stuff around... So I think that if, if it was a man who had married a member of the royal family, a, a mixed-race man who had married a member of the royal family... I think one, there would be, it would be less significant. Like there would be less significance around his role or what he's doing, um, what he's wearing, what like there would, people would be less in our what he's what he's up to. I do believe that, and I think that there's also this idea of a bossy wife, the ideas around gender and who's quote unquote meant to wear the trousers, and people kind of their feathers being ruffled by the by the concept or the idea that Megan's wearing the trousers or Megan's calling the shots and making decisions about what happens with the Prince of England. I do think it would be different if um, it was a mixed race man that had mem- married a female member of the royal family. Mm. Um, in fact, to be very clear, I don't even think they would let that that one that one. I don't think they'll let it run. Uh, <laughs> 
but yeah so I don't think I think it would be different if it was if it was that way um but obviously also her being a non-white woman um is where the kind of hatred and like real yeah just real hatred for this woman has come from and when I think about when I think about so that I have zero minus even not even zero I've got minus interest in the royal family I don't care that I haven't cared even the Harry and Meghan thing the only reason why I cared is because I knew it's annoying for the establishment anything that made me even show any level of interest with that oh this is they're not going to be happy with this yay but then I think one of the reasons why I haven't been plugged into this whole Harry and Meghan stuff is because I just I disagree with the establishment and I disagree with the idea that a black woman marrying into the establishment is going to quote-unquote modernize Mm -hmm. or do anything the establishment is what the establishment is like Mm -hmm. it needs to be scrapped it's beyond redemption, as far as I'm concerned. So there's nothing, even if they accept it with open arms, as far as I'm concerned, the legacy and the history of what they've done cannot be erased by them embracing one black woman. So I've got no interest, but then I think honing in on like how things have been handled around this Megan issue shows one, how like nothing's changed. Mm-hmm. There's any ideas or any lies about progress and any any uh, whatever that's just not true like it's it's very clear but also the the power that the establishment holds in upholding racist um views within society like within wider society because yes the madness happened within the household and like all of the stuff that Megan's speaking about happened within the household none of that is shocking to me anyway none of that is like the fact that they didn't embrace her the fact that they didn't like they weren't I'm even surprised that they're even saying the queen is nice like that one is really shocking me that both Meghan and Harry were like they've got respect for the queen or the queen like hasn't really been participating in the bullying because it's the same queen that was literally the queen of like the the Nigeria that my mum was born into she was head of state and she's still head of state of how many Caribbean countries. So it's the same queen that like, that she's the kind of face of all of that um, colonization. Um, Can I ask you something? Because mm-hmm. I was having this conversation earlier today, actually. Harry actually mentioned it in the interview where he described his brother and his dad as trapped. And don't you think that the queen is also a victim of that quote unquote trap? Yeah, 100%. They all are, but that's my point. That like, they all they're all victims, but then they're also beneficiaries. Yeah, so. they are they are in a in a position of of benefiting. I really struggle to um so I think in my head, so I wasn't surprised when they said that the Queen was calm. I was I probably wasn't surprised to hear that. I was more shocked that individuals were or I was more like surprised or saddened to hear that our individuals moved mad on a very interpersonal level because I think I know that the structure and the the what they call the firm is institutionally racist and then I think it's and then individuals within that have a choice um and I think that a choice to be silent which obviously William is like William and the dad are like number one front and center silent ignoring the thing um that one I could understand and get but I think when people have gone further like Kate has now gone further to be making her cry and that I think that that's 
that's proper madness but um I wasn't surprised to hear that oh people were like calm and that the queen was well behaved like yeah that the queen was calm I think I think that you have to be bare mad to be moving mad to her yeah but that's my point white people are bare mad white people in what common working class that works in Iceland is mad do you know what I mean that isn't the queen of England that doesn't have all of the power and all of the ideas of superiority that a lot of average white people are mad in, in relation to race and move mad in relation to race so I've, I've I me common ed of North London have in my life encountered how many mad white people like just for and they're they're mad for free they're not mad because they're a step they're protecting i mean so how much more so the queen um and the idea and i think why i was shocked is because i think she is the face of the, the establishment right and she is like in terms of like maybe my ideas about the establishment is that a lot is riding on her head and so mm-hmm. ideas about change and Megan bringing change and her being such an okay. like old like an old woman who has seen so many like seen so much ideas about race have changed dramatically in recent years in the past couple of decades but she had has been in her role since before yeah. then I mean she's been in her role when it was she yeah she yeah and she's head of state so for mm. me I think I was surprised and not that I expected her to now be like bullying trying to yeah pinch her and stuff yeah (laughs) anything like that but I think and again I'm gonna even say this because I don't know if I even believe it them saying that she was so as accepting as they're saying she she was um I don't know I yeah I'm I'm surprised that she was she founded she it it appears or it sounds like she was as accepting and as Mm -hmm. well with Megan's stuff it's not just the it's not just the, the race stuff, it's a lot of the stuff around like the messiness of her family and the, oh. the drama and the politics that, that accompany that and Megan bringing that drama um, mm. to the family as well. So yeah, I, w- I was surprised by that. Um, in terms of like the difference between the establishment or what they've, what they've described as the firm and that being mm. obviously, as we all know and can accept structurally, racist and mm-hmm. then kind of the interpersonal interactions I think I have projected onto the royal family just their ideas about who they are so I okay. can't imagine being born into a world where I am told I am more important than others I am reared in a way that encourages me to believe that my role on the planet is more important than others just by by, by virtue of my birth or where mm-hmm. like the family that I'm born into mm-hmm. and like Megan doesn't fit that mold do you know what I mm-hmm. mean on so many levels so even like even if she wasn't mixed race like she mm-hmm. just doesn't fit that mold her her background her working background that like, she just doesn't fit the mold of and don't get it twisted, like, even this idea, I don't like this idea or this um, this narrative that Megan's on some, that like, rags to riches stuff, because that's mm-hmm. not my understanding of her story at all. Do you know what I mean? She was extremely wealthy, extremely privileged um, to even catch the eye of Prince Harry. He wasn't rolling around Brixton or the Bronx. Mm. And, 
this happened. So even this that idea, I think I struggle with, and there's so many different layers to um to to class and wealth and yada yada yada. But anyway, I don't believe that Megan was born into the world in the same way as them, basically. So I think people that have married into the royal family and what I know of it are usually from that aristocratic background. And yeah, Megan just isn't, do you know what I mean? Definitely felt like Megan's approach to the whole like situation in her interview with Oprah was really classy. And she definitely kind of, I think that in doing the interview, she spoke to the truth of all, I think, um, women of colour's experiences within institutions. I don't think it was necessarily anything like alien to anyone's experience that I'm aware of, um, who is not a white woman. I don't think that the way that it's been taken, like it was this massive shaker, that it should be positioned like that at all. And I think that my concern and yeah, my concern is with the like offence that wider society and the media or the shock or the like, yeah, the shock, the offence, the affront that people are portraying in relation to this interview. I think that is, I think that's my concern. Um, it's like why are you lot surprised that this is somebody's experience why are people not able to look in the mirror long enough to acknowledge that these are some of the attitudes that I hold or these are some of the yeah these are some of the conversations that I have been party to among people that look like me i.e other white men and women yeah I, I definitely hear you and I think that um in terms of like the positioning of what Megan's saying, she's not saying anything revolutionary. Mm. I even, to be honest, there's not enough challenge. So I don't think, and this is like a much bigger conversation about interracial relationships. Um, Definitely. I, I don't think that there is a man in this world that can sit there and tell me or say it on, on international TV that I would be an asset to the British Empire um, or to the Commonwealth even the commonwealth i saying that i shudder like so i mm. don't think there's enough challenge like my personal critique is that there's not been enough challenge um and then ideas about like harry saying he didn't know he didn't know that this stuff happened because your security has been taken away from you you, you don't watch the news you didn't know that black people are hated in the world like yeah i'm being a little bit unkind yeah, because it's a process, and like if you didn't know, you didn't know. In it, you're you're doing what you. It appears that you're doing what you can to know and to um to advocate on behalf of non-white people. Find it uncomfortable positioning Harry as this hero, and don't get twisted mm. like on a personal level. I've always with Prince Harry because he's always just been on bad behavior and always been on like he's always been the, the outlaw, right? That persona or that um my idea that that's the role that he plays within the family makes me like him but I just think that there are stuff there is a lot of kind of unpicking and unpacking um to do around because nothing she's saying is revolutionary to me um or shocking so what shocked me was just that like um about the Kate stuff it didn't shock me that it had happened I think what shocked me is that they span the story 
mm. and got away with this it. length yeah yeah but my, in my mind it's like oh I don't think I ever believed it well I didn't believe it actually in my mind it's either it didn't happen at all or it happened but Kate was just crying because she wanted to cry not because mm-hmm. maybe but the mm-hmm. fact that it was just like un, it was completely untrue and actually mm. it was wrong that had happened that was the only thing that made me feel like something mm. new in my body. Mm-hmm. Um, but everything else that was said was very much like yeah what did you not think was happening yeah so I was mindful to say this before but I did think as well when she when she started the interview and Oprah was like oh did you like Google or like like yeah like what are you saying I was a bit like yeah what was you saying <laughs> like because <laughs> what did you think was gonna happen when you went there do you know what I mean and I was just thinking like if I bucked up on the Prince of the Netherlands or do you know what I mean like the Prince of the Prince of Dubai or something and he wanted to chat to me I would no no I can't chat to you because your family will do you know what I mean what are your family gonna do to me and that will be my thought straight away so that's where I think the the British monarchy is really interesting because I think that external perception so she's not British obviously mm-hmm. and I think the external perception is that this is this loved like people love the queen queen. and the queen is the mother of our nation and that we pledge allegiance to the queen and do you know what I mean like I think that it is seen as more one more ceremonial I think it is ceremonial actually in practice I don't think that there is like I don't think that the monarchy holds power in the way that it used to we know I just don't think people deep the legacy and the history so when we come to this country, when like tourists come, you're gonna go to Buckingham Palace and take your pictures. Like it's not seen as this like evil establishment. Whereas me growing up here, I very much engage with it as this evil establishment because I know that it's taxpayers' money that is upholding that rubbish. Perhaps putting a little bit too much onus on Megan and like what you ought to know, what you Megan ought to know. So yeah, maybe putting a little bit too much onus on her. Um, and I do hear you. I think that, yeah, internationally, there is this perception of the monarchy. I think it's more like my education and the roads that I've decided to travel down, i.e. like studying politics or world history and things like that, that is what I know what I know. I don't think that if I was like one on an art thing or on a like, in fact, yeah, probably if I was on an art, if I was on a maths thing, I don't think I would know or have the same perception that I do have or the same understanding that I do have I said but we know what they've done to Diana mm. but yeah so then Megan don't you know what they did to Diana <laughs> I, don't know. Yeah, yeah, I, don't, I don't think the world knows so we and I don't even think I don't even think non-blacks in the UK engage with that Diana stuff the way we engage with it because that Diana stuff is very everybody every single I don't even care you don't be I don't even like to generalize too much but this one I know to be fat Every single black person that grew up in this UK, yeah, knows what they've done to Diana. Like your our parents, and this is one thing. If you're from an Caribbean island, any country on the African continent, anywhere that you are from, and you've got black skin, 
our parents taught us what they've done to Diana. Like, <laughs> we know, innit? We know, do you know what I mean? So I think, and I don't think that that's a, that story or that quote-unquote conspiracy is commonly accepted by, by the general British public. And what you were saying about Harry, I, I very much agree. Earlier on, I was having a conversation. And the first thing that the person I was talking to was saying was that he was actually gone in for the woman who was walking alongside William on the news a couple of days ago when she was wearing like cereal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he was like, oh, why is she walking with her? Like, you should have refused to go and all saying all these things. I don't like the pitting of like, oh, this is the good, the good Windsor. This is the bad one. So like, William is is bad, 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 bad. Harry's good, good, good up. Uh, yeah, I don't like that because I also like what you said. I think, oh, Harry, didn't you know then? Didn't you? Why didn't you make provisions? Why? What could you have done to mitigate against some of this fuckery? He mentions that, oh yeah, like you know, I've, I've been doing the work and stuff. And I thought, oh, what do you think that means that you've been doing the work? And what? Where does the work take you? You've done enough work so that you can be loving a black woman. Or a woman that is half black, actually, because she, Megan does not describe herself as a black woman. She's a mixed race woman, and that's how she self-describes. But so you've done the work to the point where you can be in a relationship and love and be attracted to a non-white woman. But where are you applying the quote-unquote work to helping to keep this woman that you now love safe? And I just think not that that makes him a bad person or makes him equitable to his no hairline brother, but we're making him a little bit too angelic and I think it's it's very emotional it's a very emotional thing that we do but yeah I just I just very much challenged the um, my brethren earlier on anyway because everyone's got a part to play in it from their side I completely agree with you and I think that um I think that there is that racism isn't about nice and not nice basically it's not about being a nice white person it's not about being liking black people or smiling at black people inviting <laughs> <laughs> shagging I mean? like, them not, yeah, yeah. Black, like, <laughs> like i mean being uncomfortable when people talk about that like, say racist things it's not about like whether you're nice or whether you're not nice do you know what i mean it is racism is material it has a material impact on our lives as black people and i think that in this scenario i'm slightly frustrated that it's taken this and to be so and this is gonna be controversial what I'm about to say um because obviously I'm not downplaying Megan's experience in the slightest and like obviously I've, I've spoken openly about feeling suicidal on this podcast and what that experience is so I understand the grave impact it has had on her mental health and I'm not downplaying mm-hmm. it in the slightest bit but to be very honest, my understanding is that things could have been a lot worse. Okay. My expectation even was that things would have been a lot worse because of my level of cynicism. And I am at a place where all of the conversations that I'm hearing around like people being surprised or people like not believing or questioning that this is the truth. It just mm. shows to me, and I've spoken about this again on this podcast, the psychosis of whiteness and just how deluded and mad that like, people really and truly are 
to um to question that this is this is happening or this has happened and I think there just needs people just need to wake up man it's time to wake up it's time to let's talk about the establishment what it stands for let's talk about its legacy let's talk about its future like when we talk about the monarchy when we talk about the queen what who is this queen like like I said my mum was born into a colonial Nigeria what does that mean I see like even my mum that when my mum phoned me obviously my mum's new phrase of the week is talk of the town um (laughs) so my mum was like have you watched the interviews to talk of the town um and like she told me to watch the interview and then she was just like Megan is so in discord <laughs> she said Megan is so in discord she was like it's so, so she started with it's so bad what they did to her uh like the, the history's repeated itself Diana whatever whatever so she started all of that then she went to Megan should have chose peace she's so in discord um and with I like my mum had a colonial education. Do you know what I mean? My mum mm. loves the Queen. <laughs> my mum loves the Queen. Mm. And like this is my mum is an intelligent woman. My mum understands that, but she like it's in her, it's in her that she loves the Queen. She loves mm. everything about British system, yada 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 yada. It's a material impact of this thing. Like people's engagement with this is not, it's not superficial, basically. Um, and I think I want to move beyond the superficial conversations of whether this is right or wrong. But let's talk, mm. let's start talking about what does this mean for the history of, the, of Britain? Like, what does this mean? Yeah, I think that's a good note to end on, to be honest. Yeah, bomb Babylon still. But yeah, thank you for listening, guys. <laughs> Bye, guys. Just ripping my mood. I tell you, just cut off my line.